0: Blau und Weiß ein Leben lang, hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf English. That's right, folks. We are back. Officially the world's only English Shaka Podcast worldwide. This is episode 90 of Schalke America, and I'm your host, Richard Carmen. It's been a miserable last couple of months, uh, throughout the world, uh, with, oh, the pandemic going on. Uh, I know it's hit everyone, everyone around the world. It's hit me personally. Um, I did lose my father about a month ago uh, to COVID-19, so I, ha- I hadn't been in the mood to do any podcasts. I can't speak for Jack, who we'll bring on in a second here, but um, through, through football, I'm getting back to normal, and I'm sure everyone else is uh, eager to see the Bundesliga come back. Uh, let me bring on my co-host, Jack Mangan. Jack, uh, we've missed each other for a the, for the long time now.
1: We have that is true and it is uh cannot put into words how good it is to be back with you uh on this uh it's very it's amazing what you take for granted uh during sort of the normal the normal flow of things and uh you know even something like that you know the as as insignificant as our podcast has, has been <laughs> disrupted by all this so it's nice to kind of be back in the saddle and hopefully uh things go well with this bundesliga restart and we're able to continue but um obviously uh condolences to you sir um on your father. Uh, I, I've been slightly more fortunate in that everyone on my side is, is is safe and healthy um for the time being. But uh, you know, obviously this thing is uh it, it's it's quite serious and if you uh if you haven't been affected by it personally, chances are you know somebody um who has. So uh I hope everyone's staying safe out there and uh, you know, stick with it, stick together and, and Hopefully, in in not-too-distant future, things will uh, be able to begin to return to normal for us.
0: Yeah, and that kind of starts with uh, the big news that uh, Angela Merkel gave the, uh, the green light, and the Bundesliga will start back up on May 16th. And with uh, a small game, we're going to call the mother of all derbies, thanks to Derek Ray um the Riviera derby kicks things off uh it is uh, what a way to start this things back up um and this is a very special episode cuz we a little bit later on we're going to have a little segment interview uh with uh, gold.com's ronan murphy uh so that's, that that guy's awesome uh he he answered some great questions for us so uh stay tuned for the rest of the, the end of the pod later on in the podcast you'll catch some of that so uh but jack we got a lot of questions we've been, we've been gone for a while and we got a lot of questions from our from our listeners um, they came ready. I guess they've been itching to see if, uh, football come back, and uh, the questions were were ready.
1: Let's get into it.
0: All right, let's get into it. Uh, starting hot, hot and heavy. Um, our most kept uh, friend on the show, Marie schulte She asks, uh, "Do you guys have any updates on the previously injured players? And and is there a forecast to the summer transfer window?" Uh, and she really wants to uh, focus, especially on the uh, situation of Loney's John Joe Kenny and Jean-Claire Todibo.
1: First of all, hello Marie. Hope you're well. Good to hear from you. Uh, so I believe that Salif Sane and Ozan Kabak are both uh, back, or very close to being back. So the, uh, the the mouth-watering prospect of seeing those two on the field together um, for a significant stretch of time. Uh, that might be that might be coming around the corner for us, which I think is a, is a very good thing. I believe Daniel Calagiri is potentially fit as well. I think the two players, at least that I had seen, and this might be out of date at this point, that I had seen that probably weren't going to be back for this game would be Stambouli and uh, Omar Mascarell. Um, and if that's the case, that would be unfortunate because I think you and I would both agree that Omar Mascarell had had a very nice season yeah. for us um, sort of at the base of that midfield uh, and he had been somebody that was getting very consistently selected and been been, been doing a good job so that could be a, uh, a significant loss for us but uh, it, it's kind of hard to predict how anything's going to affect the teams uh, at the moment given everything that's going on I mean you, you got to wonder about uh, you know the level of fitness that they're going to be at I, I know players have been doing uh, individual training sessions you know at home throughout shelter in place orders and you know they've been back with their clubs for a little bit now going through some stuff but certainly you can't imagine they would have the kind of fitness that they would have uh you know in the middle of a season um so uh you know we'll we'll see how ready to go these guys these guys actually are and hopefully uh the injury situation that we have right now uh doesn't get any worse um by virtue of people coming back when when they're not maybe 100% ready to go.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know one of those players that you talk about who are, who are mending right now or, or who are, is better and more is fit. Uh, Shil- uh, Salif Sane, shout out to him. He uh, he gave us a, a uh, an endorsement on our on one of our Instagram posts uh, earlier <laughs> the week. So
1: <laughs> anyway, um, Richard Richard tossed up a little IG post that included the uh, the free Katusha hashtag, and uh, Mr. Salif Sane liked that. So we are we are considering that an endorsement of the free Katusha movement. Uh, by him whether or not he intended that to be the case or not so uh it's uh very exciting times for us over here at Shalk america hq we have we have a man on the inside for the free katuchi movement it's a big big development
0: that's two people on this podcast we got ronan murphy a little bit later who endorsed it we're, we're giving him the endorsement whether he said it or not um and then salif sane so there we go it's, it's this podcast is starting off very well um john Claire todibo and john joe kenny two loney players um those are very two very curious situations there um I know John Joe Kenny, um, or as Marie called him, Johnny. <laughs> Sorry, Marie, I had to bring it up. Um, John Joe Kenny has expressed his interest in remaining with the club. Uh, however, I think, at least with him, Jack, Jack the problem is uh, the price tag that Everton wants is a little too steep for us. And I think, unfortunately for us, you know we're not going to be able to pay, especially with the whole money situation going on now with Chalka, um and with the whole climate as it is. He's probably going to end up going back to Everton. And I know with the performances – He's obviously the most um, well-recognized UK player uh, in the Bundesliga this season. Uh, Sancho had been a season previously. A lot of teams are going to come calling for him, and uh, I don't think we're going to be able to compete with him, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, the Kenny situation is an interesting one. Uh, He was very complimentary, obviously, of of Schalke when he initially made the loan move this summer, and he got off to, I think, a pretty hot start for the club as well. And so I think a lot of the storylines you were seeing in the articles as we were kind of heading into the winter break, were that there was a significant amount of interest from a number of clubs uh, that Schalke would have to be competing with for his signature. And given uh, the the financial issues that Schalke has had recently, which have only been exacerbated by the pandemic, I believe uh, the word uh, existential was actually used at one point. Yeah um in terms of how dire the situation has gotten for the club while uh the Bundesliga has been on hiatus um it's going to make it really difficult for us to buy you know anyone let alone players from you know La Liga or the Premier League that that their owner clubs are asking for you know tens of millions of dollars for so uh the one positive thing I guess I would say is just that, you know, Kenny's performances, I think, kind of dipped a little bit or flattened off, you would say, as the season went on. So I think that's helped some of curtail some of the interest from other clubs. Um, but then also that, you know, he came out, like you said, recently and expressed an interest in staying at Schalke. I think that's awesome. I think it shows, you know, how much he's really enjoyed his time here. And if, if he has a desire to stay here, that's, that's obviously going to work in our favor, right? Because he's going to be lobbying for that. And maybe that can... uh you know, convince Everton to maybe lower the price a little bit to make that happen. Um, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Just the prospect of, of going after anybody um, that's going to have a, you know, even, even minor financial asking price is, is going to be a problem given the situation the club's in at the moment.
0: Currently, you know, there's two players that we have on loan from Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona said that they will, they will recall Juan Miranda at the end of the season because uh, he's not getting the pitch time, basically that they're demanded in. And thus, he'll be going back to Barcelona. Uh, but the other one, Jean-Claire Tadibo, who's actually fit in really nicely for us, like John Cho Kenny, uh, with all the injuries, he's you know, stepped in and played very well, and I've been impressed with him, and I know you have as well. Um, now that he's been doing well, his price tag is going to go up. I know we're not going to be able to afford him. Unfortunately, other teams around us uh, are now interested in him. I know Bayern was interested in him, Leipzig was in him, interested in him, and as is Leverkusen uh, all said that they're willing to pay whatever Barcelona wants. So it doesn't look like, I mean, we'll see how, how things go and how long this loan is for. But um, at the moment, he's getting playing time, with, uh, so Barcelona has to be liking that. And so maybe they won't recall him anytime too soon. But um, in terms of buying him in the future, with like based on our current financial uh, situation, I doubt we were able to keep him as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the John Joe Kenny one
1: was looking like it was going to be difficult to keep him. Even from the very beginning, when that when that loan move first went through, when it comes to Miranda and Tadebo for Barcelona, I think the chances of us maintaining those players was borderline zero from the very beginning, um, just because of the the asking price that was going to be attached to those guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, same thing with Kenny. We're just not in a position to to do that, and uh, and the Miranda one's kind of been taken out of our hands, I guess, because lo- like you said, it looks like they're they're pulling the trigger and recalling him um, anyway. Uh, it's unfortunate we didn't get to see more of him. Um, obviously Ochipka has been solid back there, so I think that's part of the reason. But, uh, you know, these are two guys that, uh, had some good moments when they've, when they've come in and, uh, hopefully we can squeeze a little bit, uh, more out of them before the end of the season. And cause that could be the, you know, the, <laughs> the last time we have those guys in a Royal blue kit.
0: <laughs> Speaking of good moments, um, we are the home of the free Kutucho movement. And our, our next question asks: Is you know, uh, for the Rivier Derby, will we see the free Kutucho movement at the in the game? That's a good question. I don't know. Do we think we should be? Yeah, I mean, the,
1: the free Ketisha movement is present in the minds and hearts of, of all good Chicago supporters, and it is present at every game. Um, yeah. just because it's 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 really more of an energy than an actual thing. Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: I mean, you would hope so. Who, who the hell knows? You know, who's gonna? And like I said earlier about, you know, we we don't really know the form or the fitness that some of these players are gonna be in. You know, the initial selection for this Revere Derby actually might be more dependent on um. Who looks like they're ready to go more than like what, what, what would David Wagner's ideal starting 11 be if this was, you know, the middle of a normal season? So, I mean, we might see things affected that way. Uh, yeah, obviously we would like to see uh, our, uh, our golden child, Mikey Tuchu, uh, get some significant minutes here. And uh, as, as you're going to hear when we just, when we play the audio from that Ronan interview, um, maybe that maybe the substitution changes that, that we're seeing implemented are going to uh, give him an opportunity to get on the field a little bit more as well.
0: <laughs> and perfectly transitions to this next question where it says um, you know uh, they're glad to have the Bundesliga back and Schalke back in our lives uh, but because of this whole COVID-19 situation uh, you know five substitutions will be allowed as you alluded to and they ask will David Wagner use any of them before the 80th minute in the premier derby no uh, probably not w- probably not yeah I mean all season long I mean if he makes a substitution in the 75th minute you're like whoa where did that come from um, he has been delaying holding his cards back um, I would think It would change, and yes, but uh, will it happen before the 80th minute? Probably not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's going to bring five five substitutes on at once in in, in the 90th minute. The the classic uh, quintuple sub or whatever that would be. I don't know. (laughs)
0: Uh, Next question uh, says – Many many German fans are not happy with the ghost games, uh, and and they're talking about no fans in the stadium, and think that the league has started up too early because of the financial reasons. What are our thoughts?
1: This is an interesting one, um, and I think it, I think this is potentially slightly more difficult for you and I to appreciate, given that we are an entirely different class of of supporter, right? I mean, you and I are. Right uh you know across across the ocean in america so we're never in the stadium and so for us it's like well you know is it really that big of a deal like you know this is how we support the team normally anyway like yeah. just play the games but obviously uh you know supporter culture is uh, deeply embedded i mean it's it's inextricable from from professional soccer uh particularly in 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 germany where the relationship between fans and the clubs is is perhaps a little bit different than it is Uh, in in some other leagues and there's a number of reasons for that 50 plus one otherwise but um, yeah I'm I'm sympathetic to it Uh, and and for the people you know and the ultras and everything that are in there uh, you know week after week after week uh, supporting the team it's obviously got to be a frustrating time for them Um, I mean personally I would prefer to have sports back if it can be done safely um, you know without fans rather than not having sports come back at all until we can guarantee the safety of everybody and have like full stadiums, I would rather get sports started back sooner than later. Um, but obviously, there's people that don't see it that way, and and they think that perhaps uh, sports shouldn't return until we can, uh, you know, carry out these events as they normally would be carried out. What, what's what's your opinion on it?
0: Yeah, I, you know. Uh, you kind of you kind of mentioned it. we were trying to get back to normalcy in in a way and it's difficult yes uh i I think the reason the Bundesliga started up as as early as it did before anybody else is because it had lesser cases than everybody else oh not everybody else. It had lesser cases and they the the testing was much better uh than other other European locations, so maybe that had something to do with it um and they felt maybe the 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 plan that the Bundesliga had for it. Uh, was good enough by, you know, Angela Merkel's standpoint and, and the rest of the people who make the decisions in Germany. Uh, they thought it was the, the safety protocols that they had in place was probably, uh, was good enough. And so that's, that's allowed them to come be, ba- come back and, and, um, bring back, uh, some, uh, distraction, welcome distractions to, to everyone who's been, you know, stuck at home for the last, you know, whatever, 60 plus days. So, um, is the financial aspect part of it? You know, now you're looking at it, several teams in the Bundesliga are struggling financially. Obviously, Schalke is as well, and you you would think that has something to do with it. But like like you said, you and I are sitting from watching this from a different bubble, right? We're we're across the pond. We see th- we're like, oh, this is normal for us, like you said, and um, ha- not having the pl- the fans at the stadium is definitely hurting the pockets. I mean, it hurts it hurts the fans obviously, but it hurts the pockets of the of the teams as well. And a lot of the, a lot of the teams rely on the TV revenue money. It's obviously prevalent in England. It's obviously prevalent in Germany and other countries uh, that have like Sky Sports and stuff like that. They get they they require this money. You know they're making all these expenses and and they have to counter counter kind of balance that with some money they get in from TV revenue and other sources. Uh, so I can see why the financial aspect maybe would could have driven it uh, the games to start earlier. Um, I, I I think it's too early, and obviously some clubs like Dynamo Dresden probably think it's too early, and that's why they're you know not going to be starting on time them, themselves. Um yeah, it's a it's a it's a good and a good tough question um, to ask, and you know honestly we can only go by what the the Schalke higher ups and, and the Bundesliga higher ups are telling us, right? Because they would have they're privy to better information than we are. And we can only we can only assume at this point.
1: I mean, I think yeah. I mean, I think the financial component is is obviously a, a massive part of of why the efforts being made to restart the Bundesliga as soon as possible. I mean, that that is a big, a big component of it. If there there was no financial pressure, I mean, yeah, you, you really, you really doubt that the league would be resuming on May, May 16th. But I guess what I would say to the supporters that are opposed to it just by virtue of, you know, soccer without fans in the stadium really isn't soccer at all. I mean, especially for the Schalke supporters, if the, if the situation with the club financially is, is as dire as the hierarchy is suggesting it is right. then, I mean, I would think that you would want the games to go on without you. If it can help keep your club out of serious financial trouble, I don't know. Um, that just kind of seems like a given to me, but like I said, obviously we're in a different bubble over here in the U S. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, the number one thing is I hope everyone can, can find a way to execute this restart as safely as possible. Um, and that it, it, it Go smoothly and potentially serves as a model for how you know other leagues can can get started as well. We'll have to wait you know, and see.
0: And in, and no league, uh, no more no league more than than the Bundesliga. The club, the uh, the fans drive the clubs, right? Uh, the 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 fan atmosphere is what really drives the, the teams to, to play well, and and that's where the passion comes from. And one of the questions was, you know, will they be allowed to pump? Crowd noise into the stadiums, and I know Shaka already came out and said that they would not do that. Uh, Gladbach as well had said they would they would not do that either. And the basic gist is they don't want to do it because it would they don't want to give the fans to make the fans feel like that we don't need you, you know. And that makes sense. Uh, Gladbach's doing a cool thing where they're doing cutouts of their fans in, in the crowd, and so it looks like they're there, but they will not be adding any noise. Um, I thought it would be a really weird thing to watch a, a football match with no crowd there. But I, you know, just before this whole thing happened, we did see a couple of games behind closed doors. And it was actually kind of cool that, that you were able to hear the players you know, communicate with each other over TV, which you never get to hear during a game because it's so freaking loud, especially places like Gilles and, and and some of the other big stadiums around the world. Um, so that, that would be a unique aspect that I'm looking forward to. But yeah, it's going to be kind of weird to see no fans in the game, especially a big game like the Riviera Derby coming up here uh, in a few days
1: yeah for sure I mean I think I think the fixture that we're uh, that we have on the horizon here is uh making the issue of, of the lack of fans even even more serious just because of the spectacle that that, that derby normally is so I mean, obviously I mean I'm, I'm not trying to dismiss it as a legitimate concern um sure. and you yeah. know and you're right and you're right yeah, like 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 I said the relationship between fans of the clubs and the Bundesliga is um that little bit extra special, I think, um, you know, in the Bundesliga than it is elsewhere. So I, 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 I totally get that. But I think uh, if it can be achieved safely, I think it's probably the right decision um, at the end of the day.
0: No, I'm not going to skirt around this. I think Schalke uh, were in piss poor condition shape um, going into the this break, if you will. Uh, we had struggled mightily to see off not only this top caliber teams but lower end teams we were struggling mightily getting losses that we didn't think uh we should have should have had and we started dropping down in the table and and one of the questions we got uh was do you think Shaka will get back on track after the last poor form and and why um it's it's a difficult question right cuz all teams now are started from pretty much from a clean slate uh, cuz we're all in the same situation so do you think Shaka can shake off whatever uh, woes they had, and get back on track. This is gonna be a tough match to start, though. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 almost impossible to predict anything.
1: Um, I mean, it'd be difficult to predict it under normal circumstances if we didn't have that break, and to try to speak to you know what the team's gonna look like coming out of it, I think is is pretty much an impossibility. We're not gonna know until we see it. Uh, you know, what the form and fitness of these players is gonna be, um. You know, I'm sure there were some players during the break that were pretty locked in and, and trying to stay on top of things and, and staying engaged physically and mentally. And I'm sure there's some other ones that that, that really weren't. And uh, is, is that going to affect the performance? Uh, we don't know. But uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, hopefully we do rebound because we have not won a league match in the Rook Runda, have we?
0: I don't believe we have. Other than the Gladbach match, no.
1: I'm Sorry, yeah. That, that, so that was the first match of, of the Rook Runda. And then since then, we've had... <laughs> all losses and draws if I outside yeah. of the DFP Pocal if I, if I yeah. remember correctly so um, yeah draws against like Paderborn and Mainz and and you know 3-0 the clone and yeah it, it was it was definitely not good so um, I, I guess from our perspective we'll have to hope that uh, this had a positive effect on us and that we're going to come out of this better than normal because maybe maybe, uh, maybe it would be the case that we would have continued that bad form if it hadn't been for this break and maybe we can come out of it, you know, re-energized, refocused, and uh, climb the table a little bit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there was another question that kind of, you know, reflected off this question and the previous one and it says, you know, do you think players are prepared for an important battle in the first game back and would they be in a healthier state physically and how much progress do you think the injured players have made on this? So, you know, you kind of already touched on a bunch of that stuff. And honestly, I think the big, the big driver in all of this, cause I think all players will be in, in a similar situation. I mean, there's the Cristiano Ronaldo's of the world who have their own trainer with them this whole time, which are going to be in tip top shape probably still or close to. I think the, the, the main thing is going to be, uh, Tactically, how's this going to come out? It's, I think this all this first game is going to fall on David Wagner. He's going to know, you know, especially with the seven seven day training camp that they're going to have here for all the teams, um, to try to get back in the top shape as quick as possible. He's going to be able to see his team and know what where his strengths and weaknesses are, and getting setting up tactically to be ready for whatever Dortmund's going to bring. Um, and he obviously knows that you know they're going to have guys like Haland and Sancho and other guys. That you know, or before the before this whole break happened, they were playing really, really well. So you know, have that in the back of your mind. Have it, you know, have the back of your mind how your players currently look, and then try to set it up so that in a way that your team can win. Um, that's what I'm going to be looking at. I don't think you know if you're looking at what what condition the players are in. Uh, are they are they? Phys- you're sure mentally they're going to be better, right? Physically they're going to be better, especially these guys who were injured. Uh, but I think. It's all going down to the manager in this and, and how he sets up his team uh, going into the big battle. Uh, that's going to be the, the telling sign for me and whether we're going to have a good uh, remainder of the Rook Runda or not. Uh, if we set up and we, we were tactically, you know, we're smart, we're disciplined, we, we don't give up too many opportunities. I think the rest of the Rook Runda will turn out well. If we see much of what we saw at the end of the the last month that we had uh, games, it's going to be a long, uh, dismal nine games or whatever it is that we have left. So, um, I think a lot, a lot rides on David Wagner's shoulders, you know, at least coming out of the break. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Um, one of the questions is, uh, who does Wagner deploy up top? You know, you got, you could do Burksaller, you could do Gregorich, uh, you could do Rahman. Where do you think he will line up? We know who we want at the top, but who do you think he will line up?
1: I don't know, man. A I don't question, know. Right? We don't
0: know. Yeah, know I mean, there, I mean and... like,
1: yeah, we have opinions on it. Anyone who's listened to this podcast, who's listened to previous episodes, know what our opinions on it are. Uh, we're going to have to wait and see. I don't know. Does he go for younger, fresher legs that might be in better shape? Does he go for experience right off the gate? Who knows? Um, yeah, you know, we were really excited about that bergstaller dollar gregorich partnership, um, which got off to a, a good start on Gregorich's side of things. Um, and not burst out Gregorich partnership, I should say, you know, Benito Rama whoever he was partnered with. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been, it's been months, sorry. Uh, I mean, we were excited about Gregorich and, and he got off to a hot start and kind of cooled down pretty quickly. And so the hope that we had for maybe, you know, David Wagner being able to unlock something in that striker partnership up top and, and get some more goals in, kind of dissipated pretty quickly as, as we struggled, as we mentioned um, in the rest of our league games throughout the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i just kind of wondering when, when the time is going to be when katuchu when legitimately becomes a first-choice option. But, um, you know, if nothing's changed in David Wagner's mind as to the approach that he wants to take, um, you know, and the emphasis on, on the uh, the defensive side of the ball, then there's no reason to suggest that Cattuccio is suddenly going to make that breakthrough because, I you know, I doubt that he suddenly gained the attributes that Wagner um, wanted him to gain over the course of, you know, a couple months in lockdown, so... Uh, not optimistic for uh, our our first choice being uh, the actual choice come uh, this upcoming Saturday, but we'll have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, and, and if we could take anything from the last game we, that we played them, um, speed obviously would help because they they have a fast back line. Uh, Robbie Matano had some opportunities in that game, just did, couldn't finish anything. Um, and so maybe having like Ramon or, or another speedster up there, obviously uh, a Katucha or something like that would help tremendously, but we don't know what kind of uh, game plan, you know, Wagner's going to come out with. Is he going to have a, a big and a small out there or two smalls or two bigs? We don't know. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I have it back in my mind. He's going to have a big guy out there, whether it's Gregorich or, or Berkstaller, probably Burkstaller. <laughs> uh, but, uh, time will tell. Like, we don't know. We don't know what the conditions are players are like. This is a very, you know, if it's going to the season, it's one thing, but, um, coming out of what a situation like we we just did or are still in the midst of, uh, we have no idea what kind of shape the players are in, and the only people who would know that are people who are at these training camps, these practices, and can see the players in and out. Obviously, the clubs share videos here and there. We've seen some nice Instagram videos of Benito Ramon, so maybe he's ready. But uh, the rest of the rest of the forwards, I, I honestly don't know. Um, that's all the questions that I saw. Did you see any other questions? No, I think
1: that was uh, pretty much all of it.
0: So before we get into the uh, segment about Ronan, I, I, there's a couple of three articles I do want to talk about really, really quickly. Um, first, you know, Joachim Schneider did come out this week and said that, um, player participation will be voluntary if there's a risk. So basically, he's not going to force the players to play or, or uh, participate in anything that they feel there's a risk either for them or their family members or anything like that. Um, and that's why I think with this five substitution uh, that'll be allowed, you'll see a heavy rotation just because you might have a player here or there from each of the clubs that says, you know what, I'm not ready to play today or whatever. And you're going to have to find, you know, this, the, the bench will be used heavily, I think, in most cases, not all. Um, but this is where depth is really going to come into hand. And the teams who are, have better depth, like, you know, like a Byron will probably, um, continue to surge and other teams who don't have any, you know, any depth, like Paderborn. Uh, might struggle mightily even more so than they are already so uh, you can take whatever Jokin Schneider said with a grain of salt um, he's he, we don't know what's being said behind closed doors but you know at least he's he's trying to be sympathetic to all the players at least at his club and say you know we're not going to force you to do anything you don't want so yeah Um. so the the Three topics I want to talk about really quickly. First off, we, we both we watched uh, Instagram Live this week, and Weston McKinney came out and 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 on that live podcast or our uh, live Instagram Live, he said that you know he really envied players who were one one man club type players like Francesco Totti. He was as an idol of his. Um, and it's funny because the, the guy who was interviewing him said, Oh, I thought you were going to say Ronaldo or Messi or something like that. And he goes, No, you know, I like Francesco Totti. He was one man club. He, and I admire that. And that's something that, you know, I strive for myself. And it gave, you know, at least gave you and I, you're know, like, okay, hey, he wants to be with the club, you know, for his life. And I'm, I'd love to hear that, you know, uh, and then things kind of took a, a right turn, a 90 degree turn or 180 turn. Uh, maybe a day or two later from Gold I think it was gold.com. It said an article came out that said, uh Weston McKinney uh, looks to play in England uh, or lo- is looking to the future to play in England. And I know Schalke Twitter went crazy with that with that headline. I uh, thought, well, what is he doing now? He wants to leave us. And my question to you is, do we take this with a grain of salt or, or do we have or the Schalke fans have legitimate beef with uh, Weston McKinney?
1: Well, I think it just means that uh, Schalke is clearly going to be joining the Premier League. He's going to be a one club <laughs> man go. you know he's staying at shock <laughs> you know He I mean, wants to play in the premier league shockers going to make that jump yeah you know noted uh english football team Shaka. uh yeah i don't know um it, it's it, it's not a surprising comment to, to to see that you know that would ultimately be a goal i think i think there's a lot of players regardless of nationality that have you know, uh, the sort of this image of of the Premier League being like kind of the league that they'd like to make it in at some point in their life, um, and then especially when you're talking about players that come from English speaking countries, that that attraction might be slightly stronger just because of the cultural similarities and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, so I'm not surprised. I just I, I just wonder whether or not that's something he's going to be pushing for anytime soon or if there's going to be significant interest I know there's I mean I've been seeing tons of things like oh well, well, you know what 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 club makes sense for weston McKinney this summer to move to like and for me and, and you'll hear this when we talk to Ron about you know I guess my opinion on it is sort of that we really hadn't seen weston McKinney um consistently play well until kind of right before this uh this hiatus uh, when it in, went into effect, uh, you know, he's a player that is an important part of the squad and, and a player that I've defended a lot but uh was Was just kind of not where he needed to be and I think you and I had kind of agreed that like we were finally starting to see that from like Consistently being like the best player on the pitch. Yeah, and uh, so I, I just wonder if that's going to continue and, you know, if it does, then yeah, maybe it is the right time for him to make a jump elsewhere. But for me, it's just like, I just don't think we've seen enough of that for him to say that like, Hey, this is the right time for him to maybe take that next step in his career. Um, I think he would be well served with another year or two uh, in the Bundesliga because I just, I just not sure that the growth is there at this point and uh, maybe it will ultimately be there. Maybe it won't be, but uh, yeah, I would, I would be, I guess I would say I'd be slightly worried about his, prospects if he made that jump too soon
0: look at max meyer look at max
1: meyer how dare you how dare you compare <laughs> Wes mckinney to, to max meyer? Oh,
0: I, I do not uh, but we should we can look at that as a model of saying well you should be careful before you do anything you know i'm gonna take this with a, a grain of salt um and I, I my first reaction initially when i first saw the article i was like are you kidding me what are we what the heck but you know i've you know we've seen interviews enough I, you know, I I've been interviewed, and your words can get co- misconstrued, or you don't get the whole story of what was asked. We don't know what questions were asked to Wes McKinney, and so maybe he was, it was forced upon him to make an, a suggestion, right? Um, I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take what he said on the Instagram Live to heart, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, until he proves otherwise, until you start seeing speculation, a stronger speculation other than this one one article, uh, maybe then I'll start you know paying more closer attention to this. But you know if he's if he comes out and tells you know whoever he's talking to and says you know I, you know, my, my favorite, my idol is Francesco Totti, and I believe in his one club method. I'm going to stick with that until he proves it otherwise. And, you know, this is a great place for him. He's starting to, as we, as you mentioned, the last two, really the last two games of the, of, before the hiatus, he was playing really well. He was probably the best player of the game, both those games, um, before we went to the break. And so he needs to continue to develop. And I think being at Chalk is the best place for him. He has the most likely opportunity to get pitch time, or, yeah, pitch time as opposed to going anywhere else if he went abroad. Um, and it's, and that ne- going abroad does never guarantee you you're you going to get minutes, even if the club tells you they are. I mean, look at like I said, Max Meyer and Crystal Palace. You know, he's not getting the minutes that he thought he was going to get, or or be as good as he thought it was. So, uh, it, well, that's just because he's a world class
1: player, and Crystal Palace is not a world class club. That's just a little bit different. Right. So he's yeah, he's that's a good yeah. I mean, that I is, mean he ke- yeah point. yeah. Point. Just be a waste, waste <laughs> of his waste of his time to hop on the pitch with the, with that
0: team. So I think ultimately, what Jack and I are saying, you know, just. Take you know, take it easy on what you, the article that you saw come out. Let's let's give it more time. I, I think Weston's here for at least, you know, like Jack said at least a couple more years, if not longer, so uh you know, until we start seeing more and more rumors and stuff pop up and stuff like that, uh I wouldn't worry about it. You know, it just it's just a headline uh, more than anything else. So Um Next, next thing I want to talk about is a little bit, a little bit of sadder news um, coming from the Business Standard. Um, sobering thought as Schalke hand back eight thousand liters of beer. <laughs> uh, obviously, with the no games being played, a lot of the beer had to go to waste, and so a lot of the veltins that they had on tap at the stadium had to be disposed of. Unfortunately, so to all you beer lovers out there, yes, it's uh, it's a sad, sad moment. But be rest assured, uh, there will be beer at the at the match next time you are there. So. I think the Shaka's their tanks can hold something like 52,000 liters of beer or something crazy. It's a, it's uh a, you never think about how much beer uh, an arena or a stadium can hold until you start looking at these numbers and you're like, "Whoa, that's a lot of freaking alcohol." It makes sense cuz they drink heavily. Well, luckily uh
1: one of our most important sponsors it is so hopefully they'd be able to hook us up and as opposed to that being a, a massive expense for the club to uh, replace all of that. But I would just like to put this out there. I mean, Schauke, if you need to get rid of beer, I'm your man. I mean, hit me up. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, help, I'll help you out with that. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of upset that I wasn't uh, contacted about that. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, that, that beer is not going to get uh, consumed in the near future, either because there's not going to be fans returning to the stadiums, I don't think uh, probably for the rest of this season. So it's going to be a while before those uh, those uh, those those taps are flowing once again.
0: You think it's going to be the remainder of the season with no fans? I mean, it probably makes most sense, right?
1: <sighs> I mean, assuming everything goes smoothly with the restart right. and a bunch of players or staff, you know, don't don't contract the virus and we and we get it canceled or postponed again. Um, I mean, assuming that. That goes smoothly. I, I think the Bundesliga is probably likely to not push their luck um, and and not have fans. C- and some of that might not even be up to them, right? I mean, that might be the government that has to make that decision. Um, and one of, the, one of the storylines from a little bit earlier in, in the lockdown was just that, um, you know, the individual states in Germany have different roles. So the Bundesliga might be able to say, hey, this is our plan. This is what we're going to do. But, you know, certain clubs that belong geographically to certain states their local restrictions might not allow for that plan to actually make sense for them so um i think it's been a big effort to try to get everyone on the same page and agree to the rules we have in place now i'd be surprised if we saw those change further um before the end of the season
0: yeah yeah i agree too it's it's uh, probably too risky of a call and you don't want to you know, put next season in jeopardy if you don't have to so uh that is End of this portion of the uh, podcast. Uh, We're now going to segue to a very, very fun uh, interview, uh, a very enlightening interview, Jack, uh, with Ronan Murphy of (laughs) Gold.com. Well, Jack, we are back, and uh, we are back with a very, very special guest. Uh, This person uh, joins us from Ireland. He's a social producer and football journalist for Goal.com. He not only writes, but he also talks about the Bundesliga. Of course, I'm talking about Ronan Murphy. Welcome to the show, Ronan. How are you?
2: I'm very good, and it's nice to be called a very special guest well, <laughs> are, so I, I never get that, that. I never got that sort of uh, top feeling. Uh, I, this is what being a celebrity must be like
0: <laughs> Jack. He's making his uh, his first appearance. Uh, he's got a little bit of ways to to catch up to Marie, huh? Yeah, that's true. Definitely
1: not the uh, the most capped, but hopefully not the only cap.
0: That's right. That's right. And we definitely want to make sure uh, he gets ahead of uh, our uh, Dortmund uh, friend of Critty there because he's had a little too many appearances on our show, I think, for our liking. It's definitely true. Definitely true. Well, we know your time is precious, Ronan, so we're going to ask you some qu- questions here about uh, the Bundesliga coming back, and a lot of the fans have questions not only about Schalke, but also just for the Bundesliga in general. Um, I-, I read I read in a couple different places, really, uh, and it talked about how um, a lot of the teams in Bundesliga are be- are going to be going through the seven-day training camp, if you will. Um, I know Schalke fans are-, are wondering, is this even enough time for – for players to get back into shape? Because, I mean, they've been off for, what, 60 days or something. Like, yeah, they've been doing training at home and such, but is that really enough time to get back into action without be, without getting injured?
2: I'm not sure it is. I think maybe Bundesliga teams kind of benefit from the fact that they've had training in small groups for the past few weeks, which will right. definitely help their fitness, but it probably hasn't been to the, the same level as a regular training session, and they only started those on uh, this weekend. So it doesn't seem like all that, all that long of time to really get fully fit before a match. Yeah. And maybe in the first weekend we might see that these behind closed doors matches do have the feel of a training match because the players won't be 100% fit and as a result they won't be able to maybe give their all for the full 90 minutes. But one benefit maybe is the fact that the, the IFAB have approved the five-substitute rule for any tournament that's been completed this year. So we might see teams kind of emptying their benches in the second half of matches, just to kind of keep things fresh, especially in the first weekend of football,
1: more substitutions is probably a good thing for the free kitoochun movement, isn't it, Richard?
0: <laughs> it is, but we'll get that. We'll get to that later. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One of the things that I've I've found to be interesting um, about this pandemic, as it relates to sports, is that it's sort of been taken for granted. I think that of course we all want sports back, right? Like all, all the, the lay people who are at home would love to have that as an entertainment option um, as they shelter in place and don't have a whole lot going else uh, going on in their lives. And then, you know, the clubs themselves obviously have a massive financial incentive to to return to action. But I think something that's maybe been lost in that is, do the players themselves even want to um, come back? Have they been consulted on that? Do we really even care about uh, their feelings on it? So I was wondering what your thoughts on that were and then also maybe if you've seen anything um, in the media that maybe Richard and I have missed about any any players um, publicly voicing concerns about that or potentially even opposition to returning.
2: Yeah, so there's been a couple of players that kind of been vocal enough. I think most of the players are happy enough to return or they kind of understand that it's a risk that they're willing to take and you, you have a, a few players, Berger Verstrata, was kind of the main vocal one early on because his his partner has a heart condition and he was kind of worried about her. But after kind of speaking to the, the club or maybe the club gave him a sap on the race, we're not really sure, that Cologne came out with a statement and saying he kind of misspoke and th- that he was happy enough with what the doctors had planned and what the club had planned with him. And then just this week or just last week, we had Devin Sil- Silvetic of Onion Berlin. He said that, no matter when the Bundesliga comes back, it's too soon, is his opinion. But even though the fact that he's kind of outspoken in general, I think the fact that both of these players are still going to play and they're not going to refusing to play, like the kind of things that we're hearing in England, that some of the players, there's 50 or something mooted, that don't want to play on. I think the Bundesliga, most of the players kind of do, and the fact that they've been back for a few weeks in these small training sessions, and the fact that most of them have, the vast vast majority of them have have tested negative repeatedly to coronavirus tests. I think
1: yeah.
2: they're kind of happy enough with how how the precautions are are going and the plan in place at the moment. And I think there is a kind of appetite from the players to kind of continue on and and maybe be that distraction for the public at home, and maybe the fo- football can perhaps provide a bit of light at the end of the tunnel.
0: It's funny. Uh, you, you tweeted not too long ago about you know uh, the certain uh, protocols are going to be going through to uh, ensure you know safety. And I think you mentioned something about three hundred some player or three hundred some people are allowed in a stadium per game uh, to keep those numbers down for safety. Um, with the Bundesliga beginning back up May sixteenth, May I know in the fight of Bundesliga, Dynamo Dresden uh, they'll have a little bit of a delay because their uh, their the whole team is going into a fourteen day quarantine due to a positive test. Have you heard any something anything similar in the Bundesliga? I know I heard some grumblings about Cologne, possibly.
2: Yeah, I think the, the Dresden case is kind of it'll be the test case to see what will happen with them. But because of the local government has forced them into this quarantine, it's not it's not a choice of the club. If you were working in a supermarket and one of the staff tested positive, they wouldn't hold, close down the whole whole supermarket or send anyone into in quarantine. So it seems to be kind of an exception there. So. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens with, with Dresden, but as for the Bundesliga itself, as for the top tier, it doesn't seem like any other team has been forced into something similar. And we, we saw with the test that Cologne had the three positive, the two players and the physio, they came back in the second round of tests and they were, they were all negative. So I think that kind of indicates that maybe these procedures that are in place are working okay, but it'll be interesting to see what does happen when a player in the Bundesliga does test positive during the season, because it's it's impossible that it, it won't happen. It's guaranteed to happen.
1: So, so, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that the Bundesliga is is probably the most high profile league uh, to make its return first, shall we say? Um, you know, across all sports in all countries. I mean, obviously, there's a number of major American sports that are still um, inactive right now. The Bundesliga is kind of the first big one to to really return. Um, how much pressure do you think is on the Bundesliga? to handle this appropriately Uh, and do you think that this is going to be used as sort of a test case for a lot of other leagues and countries around the world? Like are the eyes of the world really on the Bundesliga right now to get this right and if it goes wrong is that going to affect do you think uh, the restarts of other leagues?
2: I think it definitely will affect the restart of other leagues. I think so many leagues are looking at it. We've seen France and Netherlands have decided that they've had enough for their season and they're not going to risk it. But you look at Italy and Spain, they're back in training. You look at the Premier League, they have their project restart. But, but they don't really seem to have made too much ground there because of the, the kind of state that the UK is in and the, the fact that their coronavirus cases are they're not falling at the same rate maybe as other countries. They haven't got got the same kind of testing procedures that they have in Germany. So I think people are looking to, to Germany, other sports bodies and other government bodies and even, even outside football, other kind of sports in general are looking to, to Germany to see what they're doing and, and will it work so I think going back to that Dresden case it'll be interesting to see what happens with them and how they'll fill in the gaps I know Christian Siever the, the head of the DFL has said that the precautions are in place to expect something like this to happen and they'll try and fill in the games further along but what happens if other players test positive and they're forced into quarantine again and things like that so it's kind of it's kind of going to be the blueprint for everyone else. And, and if these first couple of weekends can go off with it without a hitch, I think then we might see the Premier League try to push forward and we might get a, a, a proper date for Syria and, and La Liga to return.
0: You know, building off that question from Jack, um, you know, obviously with amongst all this chaos and the, this crisis going on right now, uh, does is does the Bundesliga also feel that this is their opportunity to showcase themselves to the world with all eyes on them? Uh, I've I've seen a lot of fans from you know the Premier League and and all around Europe really saying, oh, I want to pick a new German team just because that's the only thing going on right now. So do they feel maybe the Bundesliga that they can really showcase their league and all the youngsters, all young stars that they have uh, throughout, or just or just uh, just worrying about the crisis is really the only thing on their mind right now?
2: Yeah, I think it's kind of a byproduct of it. It's kind of a secondary at the moment. The most important thing is making sure that the football is is played and right. and there's no infections and the health of people is the most important thing at the moment. But I they'd be, they be the we'd be very naive to think that they're not also t- looking at the fact that the all eyes in the world is on the Bundesliga and how they can they can sell it as a product and they can market it as as a product and maybe. Increase television revenue, get more fans. The clubs can reach a bigger audience, get new followers on social media, and things like that. That's definitely going to be part of it. But I think their main concern is is health, and uh, and then any kind of outside engagement is is just a benefit.
1: So if the Bundesliga were to were to start up, and then you know, uh, God forbid, unfor, you know, unforeseen circumstances sort of cause it to shut back down and they have to call off you know the season entirely uh what do you think the right call is for a league like the bundesliga or any league that doesn't end up restarting uh do you think it's more fair to just call the entire season off and and just replay it next year do you think it's fair to uh you know do do promotions and relegations based on where teams were at the period of time i mean how do you see things
2: I think in a, in an ideal world, they kind of give it as long as possible, even if it is shut down, maybe to finish. They could look to going into July or August. But I, I th- don't think we live in that ideal world. And I, I don't think clubs are in that ideal world because there's television contracts and there's player contracts to worry about. You have yeah. Alexander Neubel, obviously, the, the obvious one for you guys is he's meant to be moving to Bayern Munich on the 1st of July. So what happens if the Bundesliga is still being played in July because yeah. matches had to be postponed or something? So uh, that's going to be a, a huge problem if it does have to shut down. Whether it can continue on past and into the, into July with with transfers and player level contract and things like that. So I think the the best option if if they do decide that they have to end it because of unforeseen circumstances, like you said, I think the best option is probably to award the winners on points per game, award the European places on points per game, like we've seen in like we've seen in France, but perhaps do away with relegation and maybe make the Bundesliga bigger next year because I think it's it's one league in Europe that can maybe afford to not relegate the, the two teams that are in the automatic relegation spots because it's only an 18-team league to begin with. That's a good so I think I think it it would be possible and maybe then as a result you could shorten the winter break or something to fit in, in Mexico the of games or maybe have a, a few extra English weeks just to, to fill the gap and... And maybe make it fairest on everyone, so that the teams aren't relegated, really and you get an extra couple of teams coming up from the the Liga. uh
0: Recently, Jochen Snyder of, of Schalke he came out and said that you know he's not going to force his players to to play if they feel unsafe. It's voluntary. Uh, if they feel there's a risk at all, that he's not going to you know force them to play. And you know we're not sure how the other teams are are are, are talking to their players. Uh, so my my question is. Um, with the protocols that are, are are in place right now for the for the season to begin back up, um, is it safe to assume with the five uh, substitutions that they're allowed that we're going to see a heavy rotation probably throughout the teams?
2: I would think so. And I think even that's one of the things that they flagged up in, in the protocols was that they hoped that the teams were big enough to kind of cope with the fact that they did have positive corona cases and had to isolate some of the players that would test positive, that they would look to use some of maybe the academy players that are on contracts and they would look to use a 30 man squad, maybe rather than a 23 man squad. And I think because of that and because of the lack of fitness and because of the substitutions, like you mentioned, I think you will, what you will see is a lot of rotation and especially as they try to fit in so many games into this kind of short period to get it all finished by July. So we'd probably see the, the free Katochoo movement maybe actually ben- benefit from it. Amen.
1: That's what we'd love to see. Do, do you feel as though these substitution changes, do you think that they were a long time coming anyway? Do you think there's a the potential that these might end up extending past whenever the, you know, quote unquote, end of, of this pandemic is, or do you think it's going to revert back to normal?
2: I think maybe it is something that we will see in the long run. Maybe there'll be kind of debate and discussion and talk about the benefits of it, like there is with VAR and things like that. But if you look to maybe European competitions and, and cup competitions and the fact that there's now an extra substitution and in extra time that you can have the fourth substitution, I think that probably is the way that football is going to, to kind of protect the players because the health and safety of the players, aside from the coronavirus, just in general, you look to to kind of concussion problems maybe that some players end up having. and It's a big thing in the NFL, obviously, but you've seen in, in, in recent years, you've seen footballers have to retire from it. Kevin Doyle, the former Republic of Ireland international, he had to retire because he kept getting head problems because of the fact he was a target man and not was used to head the ball. You might kind of see the, the fact that player safety is kind of taken more, there, there's more importance put on it. And, and as a result, you might kind of see more substitution brought in kind of to tie in with that and they'll be after seeing the benefit of, of it in, in these leagues that they get to play in twenty twenty.
0: I wonder if uh you know Germany is such a traditional type of place and it, it it takes a while for everyone to adjust to new things. Yeah, they 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 are progressive, but there's some things they, they like to be traditional about. One of that is before all this, you know, chaos uh, ensued, uh Dietmar Hoppe was was the was an, was on the back end of many a uh, protests throughout the league especially everywhere that Hoffenheim went um, do you think you expect that to return once the league starts back up I mean there's no fans obviously in the in the in the stadiums but um, do you think that'll be the fans will put that to the side for now or, or do you think that will rear its head back once once again
2: well uh, I think in in the matches this weekend you're going to see some fan banners that the, the the fans have sent into the club, but I think those anti-hop ones might be banned for the, this few weeks. Maybe that they, they won't yeah. be able to sneak those ones in. But I would, I would say, when football is back and fans are back, probably not till 2021, unfortunately. But I'd say fans they won't forget. they will will be anti-RB Leipzig, they'll be they will be anti dietmar hop. They won't have changed their, their stance on on the 50 plus one rule and things like that because it'll. If anything, it'll probably be more important to them because they'll have seen how football. Exists without fans, and and with just because of the the revenue and and the money and things like that, that that they'll that they'll be even more kind of emboldened to make statements and and stances and and to to show off banners and protests like this.
1: Pivoting to Schalke specifically, uh is a club that was pretty consistently qualifying for the Champions League for a number of years. Um, and I feel as though a lot of the supporters sort of—that's sort of their self-concept now—is that that, that's how they view their club as. You know, this this is a Champions League team. Um, but we've obviously seen Schalke trail off in recent seasons. Um, and like I said, I guess I guess the feeling sort of been that like you know it's only going to be a couple down seasons, and then we're going to be back into that position that we were in previously. Uh, Has there, in your mind, just been a flat-out changing of the guard with the emergence of RB Leipzig and a resurgent Gladbach to the extent that you know, Schalke for the foreseeable future is, is really going to be struggling hard to get into Europa League even. Um, and they're really not what they, what they were maybe, you know, five, 10 seasons ago.
2: I wouldn't necessarily say it. So I think they've, they've recruited well and they've recruited well in the coaching department, especially. I think David Wagner is, is the ideal choice for, for Schalke at the moment. He'd come in and said he did ship and he probably defied expectations of a lot of outsiders I know you guys have, have big expectations at the club, but after last season, I, I think the, the kind of general Bundesliga fan wasn't expecting too much. And they, they probably thought that Wagner was, was a man who saved Huddersfield from relegation, but maybe he wasn't the man to get them into Europe. And they look kind of like they should be qualifying for Europe this season. And I know they're not knocking on the door to the Champions League, but a few results got their way that maybe could close the gap a bit to, to Gladbach. And... I think it, to answer your question, then in in the long run, Leipzig probably are going to be in the top four every year. So you're looking for that fourth space, really. And and Gladbach, the the thing with them is that they'll need to keep hold of the players they have because it's going to be hard when when you have players like Teram and Playa. you're going to get Premier League players, Premier League teams kind of sniffing around these guys. And it's uh, Zachary as well, obviously in midfield, yeah. is always been linked with kind likes of Spurs or Arsenal. You're do you, these players are always going to be linked abroad and they eventually will move abroad, and it's going to be hard for Gladbach to kind of to keep them there. So I think maybe Schalke, you know, operating under the radar, maybe can can get into the Europa League this season and maybe challenge for the Champions League again next year.
0: Uh, the, this, the Bundesliga kicks off with a, a small little derby, you know, that Jack and I are partial to, called the Revere Derby, uh, or as Derek Ray says, the mother of all derbies. Um, you know, you're talking about recruitment, and Dortmund obviously recruited the, the, the likes of Erling Holland. Um, he had an interview recently with ESPN where they asked him about how he felt about PSG mocking him, and all he and he answered brilliantly by saying, "You know, I'm glad they put meditation out into the world. That's really my old goal, my whole goal, and I'm glad they did it." So that's pretty, that's pretty nice response by him. But my question to you is, uh, what are your thoughts about how good he actually is, and what will Schalke have to do to slow him down in the river Derby?
2: Yeah, I think he is kind of one of the top prospects in Europe, and he's one of the top young strikers and it was kind of surprising the fact that he was able to to kind of transition so well from the, the Austrian Bundesliga to the German Bundesliga. And even a step before that, he was able to arrive in the Austrian Bundesliga so well and kind of score so many goals and play in the Champions League. He's he just a lethal finisher. He just has that eye for goal that maybe few players have. Lewandowski is probably the only comparable one in the, in the Bundesliga. I know Timo Werner is kind of run close this season, but... I don't think it is deadly. I think Haaland has that kind of striker's edge that there are only a certain amount of players in the world have, and it's going to be difficult for shaka to to kind of to to stop him from scoring. But I, I I suppose the only thing they can do is cut off the supply, The stop the ball before he gets it. Is is really the one thing that you must do, and maybe make sure that he's kind of isolated up front on his own, and, and make sure that Sancho or and Hazard or Whoever else is on the wing, Reina perhaps, can't get the ball into the box. Because if Haaland has the ball in the box, that's kind of it. He, he's nearly going to score more often than not.
1: Uh, shock supporters should, should, I hope, uh, I guess, that Sancho and Holland are both on their way out in the summer. That's probably the best strategy to beating Dortmund, is just getting rid of those guys as uh, opponents as soon as possible. Um, this is shock america so I have to ask you at least one question. U.S. Men's National Team centric question, um, and that is about Mr. Weston McKinney. Uh So it came out in the news in the past week or so. That I think he gave some sort of interview where he was talking about his Premier League uh, aspirations, which obviously shouldn't be surprising um, to anyone. You know, if, if that's the move a lot of people want to make from from Germany at some point. Uh, it seemed to me that prior to the league getting postponed, Weston McKenney was only just finally starting to put in some consistently above-average performances. He's a player that I've defended a lot, but he's a player that I think is um, spotty and by no means you know, consistently among the better players on the pitch for, for this team. How do you rate him? Um, do you think that a Premier League move would be foolish at this point in his career? Do you think he still needs another year or two in the Bundesliga to develop? Do you think he's never going to be that good? What what are your opinions on um the American?
2: I think perhaps the he, and a move this summer would be too early for him and it's probably something he should look down at, at down the line, but maybe the the problem with McKinney, the problem that, that you highlight that he hasn't been that consistent is, is not through any fault of his own. I think perhaps because he is this utility man, he can kind of play everywhere and he has played everywhere. He suffers because of that because if you have to play in a different position every week, you don't have the, the kind of same the, the same drills you you don't have this, the same movement you don't have the same players around you every week and you, you can't get into a rhythm that you would if you're playing in central midfield week in week out if you have to play a right back one week and then central midfield a different week you're going to be kind of expected to fulfil different roles and you have to put yourself in a different mindset you have to be looking for different players on and off the ball you have to be making different runs it's kind of a, a tricky one for him that because he is so versatile he is so useful to Sch- Schalke, but as a result, it's partly holding himself back from developing in, into a, a proper player and, and kind of getting to the reaching the potential that he can, he that is there for him to to kind of aim for.
0: Do you think uh you know in the last segment Jack and I were talking about how th- this week on Instagram live he went on there and said he kept talking about how he loved like one club men like Francesco Totti and how he kind of aspired to be like that, and then obviously the article came out from uh that he was thinking going going to England is do should chaka fans not really read too much into this just because he's young and he just you know I think all young players want to have a have a goal in mind where they want to play eventually. Uh, So should Schalke fans take this as a sign of worry or should they just, you know, hey, whatever, he's here, enjoy it now.
2: Yeah, I I would kind of look at that he was probably asked the question by the interviewer about playing in in the Premier League or what do you see your future or what kind of clubs would you like to play for? And it's kind of something that we would always ask players because it makes makes for great headlines and it, it it sells newspapers or gets clicks on websites and things like that. So we would kind of, be always looking for something like that. Would you love to join Real Madrid? Of course I'd love to join Real Madrid. And then McKinney <laughs> lo- would love to join Real Madrid. Like, w- will be your headline. So I wouldn't read too much into it at the moment. I would only kind of be really worried if he was being heavily linked to a specific club and the, even P- ex-players or people around the club were speaking about signing him. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case at the moment, fortunately for you guys. So I, I would... He he he's probably in a totty mindset for for the next year or two anyway, and until maybe he can he can develop into that kind of that sole player in a in a specific position, he'll probably stay at Schalke for another another couple of years.
1: Anything else that you want to discuss that we haven't talked about about this restart?
2: I don't necessarily think so. I'm just I think we're all kind of hoping and praying that it works out because uh, I know we're big Bundesliga fans and you guys are big Schalke fans that it'll be something that we can talk about. We can we can kind of bond over and it won't be the kind of negative media spin and the negative talk and our presidents and prime ministers and people like that kind of just kind of depressing us day in, day out with, with, with more kind of bad decisions and bad news. So I think it'll be a great distraction to have some sort of football back. And uh, it's just something that I think we all are really looking forward to.
1: Well said. Couldn't agree with you more
0: on that. Before we let you go, any predictions for the Rivier derby?
2: Um, I think it's going to be 1-1. One, one. I think um, the the, the Emre Can or, or Jan, I should say, if my Turkish is correct, and, and <laughs> uh, Axel Witzel, I think those two injuries could be big for, for Dortmund if they don't play. I think that should really help Schalke.
0: Jack, I think you and I both take that over uh, over loss, right? <laughs>
1: We certainly won. We certainly won.
0: Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Really. Um, this is your chance to plug not only, you know, where can people find you on Twitter or on social media, but you know, give any articles a plug or whatever you want to plug. This is your opportunity.
2: Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at swear. Paul. If you look for my name, Ron Murphy, it might be quicker to find it than typing in all that. But, uh, <laughs> I had an article that went out on Sunday, maybe it was Saturday with, uh, I interviewed uh, Joost Peter from carva the uh, the big fan association in Germany and he was talking about how football without fans is nothing. and he, it was kind of intended to be uh, just an overall piece on German fan culture and kind of explain it to, to people that wouldn't be familiar with the 50 plus 1 rule the kind of movements and the fans getting Monday night games cancelled and things like that but it kind of ended up being half a coronavirus piece in the end so i think if you're you're kind of only half familiar with things it, it might be a, an interesting read just to to see how how fans feel about the return of one they're not all all for it even though Austria. are i don't think everyone wants it back
1: we'll make sure we uh go retweet that article for you so our fans can find
2: it easier thanks guys
0: thank you ronan murphy from gold.com joining us thank you once again that was our interview with uh, Ronan Murphy of goldcom Jack uh, a lot of uh, interesting uh, enlightening stuff that he brought upon us especially for the Bundesliga restart I mean so many so many of us had questions about what is going to go on uh, what what is gonna go on with the, with the restart and uh, Ronan uh, gave us a lot of good information there
1: yeah good get stuff from Ronan and um, appreciate him taking the time out of his his Sunday evening uh, to join us uh, the quality of the podcast is always uh, greatly improved whenever somebody besides Richard and I are talking. So <laughs> hopefully we can, uh, line up some, uh, some more interviews. We always talk about the fact that we need to have guests on more frequently and then we seem to not be able to accomplish that. But, uh, you know, appreciate him coming on today and helping us out here.
0: Well, the fresh restart, so we can start over with that goal, right? Yeah, you go. <laughs> uh, make sure you give him a follow at swear. I'm not Paul, uh, or just look up his name, Ronan Murphy. It'd uh, probably be easier as he said, uh, to find him there. Uh, again, uh, Social producer, football journalist for Gold dot com. Uh, we wanna thank uh all the listeners for the for all the questions we got, we got a lot of questions, and it was deserving. It's, you know, it's been a while since we had football, Jack, and uh, it's great to see uh, all the questions from our listeners. Some really good ones too, some tough ones, uh, especially like the questions about the low knees and, and injuries and stuff like that. So um, great to have those questions back, and uh, you know, keep tuning in each week. Hopefully, the, the season continues on for the next nine games, and we'll bring you the latest with the Royal Blues. Uh, we want to thank Shalka uh ronan murphy uh nbc4 nashville providing pod- tidbits <laughs> on our podcast today uh if there are any topics you would like us to discuss please send us a tweet at Shock america use the hashtag so4podcast um jack where can our followers i mean it's been a while working on a while on social since social i media?
1: yeah since i said that jm mangan j m a n i can't even remember my own name wow <laughs> Brutal J M M A N G A N. There you go. Got to get the middle initial in there. Uh, you can find me there uh, on Twitter. Wow, rusty.
0: Wow, rusty, huh? A little bit. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Uh, I, once again, I'm your host, Richard Carmen. You can find me on on Twitter and anywhere, YouTube, even at R underscore K H A R M A N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, stay healthy, and we'll be with you soon. Shush.